0: hello and welcome to show 12 of all back to Bowies unwashed and somewhat slightly dazed the Yes campaign. Uh, this was a really fun show. Um, we were discussing the yes campaign but it's, it is definitely a pretty yesy show. I think if you're uh, ecumenically minded this show is going to be a bit um, uh, a bit partisan for you but it's an interesting insight into where at this particular moment the yes campaign uh, at all levels was sitting um, so it's a good panel discussion uh, and also a there's some fantastic music from Corbiit and poetry from Sam small so I think it all adds up to a, a good fun show and there's a really nice anecdote. Um, And touching anecdote from Brian Cox, uh, as well as he remembers Robin Williams, who had uh, died the day before this show was recorded. So sit back and I hope you enjoy Show 12, Unwashed and Somewhat Slightly Dazed, The Yes Campaign.
1: Hello,
0: uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and welcome to All Back to Boys. My name's David Gregg, and I'm uh, one of the All Back to Bowie's team. All Back to Bowie's uh, started when, in March, at the Brit Awards, David Bowie uh, very kindly invited us to stay with him. If you remember, he said, Scotland, stay with us. So we took him up on his uh, his invitation, and um, we went over, and he invited us to stay in his rooftop yurt. I don't know if you knew that... Well, he often has guests, and uh, you need a place to put them, so the yurt on the top of the Manhattan roof is where we are, and it's been very comfortable, it's been very good. He does, um, we're hopeful that, the idea was that we thought it would be great to give him a little bit of a sense of the debate that's going on in Scotland and how interesting some of it is. Um, He does occasionally pop in, but usually the audience is so focused on what's going on on the stage, you don't see, but he pops his head round the door, um, he's enjoyed it and you never know he might be our special guest um, in the last show you have to keep coming to shows to find out so keep booking your tickets Uh, so yes here we are oh the other thing of course is that um, when we did this we'd only had the invitation to stay at David's but um, recently we've been inundated with invitations to stay We, 200 came in the post the other day so um we Will be at Sir Bruce Forsyth's <laughs> next week on his lawn. Um, has anybody been to All Back to Bowies before? Ah, fantastic! Oh, you pretty things! <laughs> you're, you're driving, Alistair darling, insane. Um, so, I so you'll know already that um, we uh, that we have a few house rules, and the primary house rules are All Back to Bowies. We don't really like binary questions. Um, we, uh, we find it's reductive, a binary question. And so we don't like to ask people if they're yes or no. People will tell us if they're yes or no, if they're interested, but we don't like to ask. And we like that of the audience as well, not to, don't go around interrogating people about you know, where they stand except of course on the only important issue of the day there's there's one issue that i think we do have to address i think it's really important that people take a position on it and that question is is it bowie or is it bowie (laughs)
1: um
0: so we always like to begin with a referendum so If you'd like to uh, uh, have a think about this for a moment, Uh, we'll take a poll. So, do you agree that David Bowie is pronounced... No, do you agree that David Bowie is pronounced Bowie? If yes, put up your hand. Oh, good heavens. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Sarah, that's 44. So, how are we... Do- Is that a big lead currently for Bowie, I think? If you, if you think it's Bowie, if you know it's Bowie, put your hand up. I think that's 27. So, it's a clear victory. Um, we have some other tasks, but to help us today, I've also got a co-host with me. Uh, Kirsten Innes, come up. Please welcome Kirsten Innes. <laughs> Kirsten, where, where do you stand on the bowie bowie? Actually, I'm undecided. I don't
2: feel we've had enough information. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: that, that's fantastic. Uh, so, perhaps we should move on to the next bit, which is we always do a task for the audience. We like to have a sentence that, gets, that you, we ask you to complete every day. Um, do you have any bits of paper? on you? Just scraps, little bits of flyer, little bits of newspaper, the back of a receipt?
2: Your ticket, maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, anything you've got, and pens as well. You might not all have pens, but feel free to share your pen. This is Social Democratic Scotland. We, we share. Okay. Okay.
2: So, while you're while you're listening to the discussion today, what we'd really like you to to just have a think about uh, is completing the following sentence, uh, which is, "I want to say yes to." Um, the reason we're, we're looking at that is because today's uh, today's discussion is unwashed and slightly dazed. The Yes campaign. The Yes campaign.
0: Uh, every song. Every. Every show has to have a Bowie title. Some of you nerds will recognise Unwashed and Somewhat Slightly Dazed. Uh, and we're looking at the Yes campaign in all its forms, mm-hmm. uh, from the grassroots to the office uh, to the high-profile campaign.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so just ha- have, a, have a think about that and have a think about that question. I want to say yes to And um, perhaps you might hear something that will inspire you along along the end of the way uh what we'll do is we'll collect all of these uh, all of these things towards the end uh these are actually going into a, a book david are not they or so a record.
0: what we do is every day we have a different sentence so uh we've had for example uh sentence we've had our oh, scotland is dot 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 or we had um braveheart is dot 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 um oh, okay. and each each time we collect the whole audience's response and we uh, if there's time, we read them out at the end as a kind of crowdsourced poem, which is usually uh, surprisingly good. So it's a chance to be creative, chance to be imaginative. But even if we don't get to read them out, we're gonna keep all of them and they're gonna to go to the referendum archive at the National Library of Scotland, um, along with the Bowie guest book.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, we'll just have a wee think about it and, uh, and we'll see what we can do. Um, so do you want
0: to, to, yeah. To well. Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, I just was thinking on the way here that rather like an independent Scotland, all back to Bowie's, uh, you know, we had a bit of a chaotic start, a little bit shaky. We weathered a few storms. Any of you who were here yesterday will know. Um, Like an independent Scotland, we have our own currency. Um, The the Tommy Shepherd coin, this is what he pays (laughs) us in this is this is honestly true this is what he pays us in we get we can use these in the bar so and they're actually it's made us pretty at ease about the currency question <laughs> yeah we,
2: um, we, we get free coffees on, on that one it's, it's, it's fantastic i think we're sorted
0: but uh also like an independent scotland we immediately decided to vote ourselves a republic and elect core queen please welcome to the stage <laughs> our musical act today the absolutely wonderful Cora Bissett.
3: Thank you. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of background to this song. Uh, it was written for a musical called The Glasgow Girls, which... Um, ooh, someone saw it! Yeah! Um, which was based on a true story of um, a group of teenage girls in Scotston and Glasgow who fought for... The rights of asylum seekers. Um, A lot of their friends that had been, who had come over from various war zones of the world in the year 2000, had settled into the community, had integrated into the school with incredible success, um, were suddenly after five years of living there um, ripped out of their homes in the middle of the night uh, by you know, at times 14 or 15 UK immigration officials uh, who had or who their bosses had deemed it was necessary to just deport them in the middle of the night and send them back home Um, so a bunch of schoolgirls thought this wasn't fair and not right and that these people had become such a part of their community and were more Scottish than they were anything else um, that they fought for them to stay and uh, alarmingly seven teenage girls took on the UK immigration system and actually reversed the decision they proved that that the, the decision had been based on really kind of wobbly grounds Um, so this was a song that I wrote uh, called From the 16th Floor and I, I just tried to get inside the heads of a group of asylum seeker girls who had come to know Glasgow as their home
1: 16th floor, the river is flowing through the city, still sleeping. The street lamps, they have a beauty, watching over
2: It. And, uh, hopefully, we'll be we'll be hearing from Cora again at the end of at the end of the show. Um, so, as as David mentioned earlier, what we'd like to do, um, what we're looking at today, is the Yes campaign itself, and uh, looking at it in all of its forms. Uh, We're going to have a very interesting panel discussion uh, coming up with Stephen Noon, um, chief strategist for Yes Scotland, and uh, we're very, very pleased to welcome the actor Brian Cox uh, to the the big bowie Yurt today as well. Um, However, to, to, to get us into that, to bring us into that. I'd like to welcome Kate Higgins to the stage to give us um, a three-minute provocation. Uh, Kate Higgins, many of you will know her as the the blogger Bird's Eye View. Uh, She's a prolific grassroots Yes campaigner. She also is one of the co-founders of the Women for Independence movement. Uh, So please welcome Kate Higgins. Um, Thank you very
4: much. And thank you for inviting me here today. The title of today's show is uh, Unwashed and Somewhat Slightly Dazed. I'm happy to fulfil all requirements in that regard. So. Um, as Kirsten um, said, I'm part of the grassroots movements, and yes, and um, as you'll be aware, the kind of uh, issue du jour and the one that we can't get away from is about what about Scotland's currency. And one of the things that we are charged with when we're knocking doors and um, talking to people in meetings and on street stalls is is having to come up with ways of answering um, those questions. Yeah, we get our lines from the office and we do pay attention to them, boss, honest. But you know, one of the things I found particularly engaging with women is um, is trying to find ways in which you can get the argument across and get it beyond the kind of sterile lines. So particularly on currency, one of the things I've been doing as well is trying to liken some of the big issues in the independence referendum to what goes on in everybody's day-to-day lives. And for me, the whole thing about how the the currency question has been framed and referenced by particularly the no-camp likened me to when I grew up and decided it was time to leave home. And I'm sure we can all remember what that was like when that moment came, either because we were getting married or we were going to university or we just had enough and we wanted our own space. Now, when I did that some 30 years ago, my parents didn't stand on the doorstep going, hmm, well, you'll never amount to nothing. <laughs> what do you think you're going to achieve if you go off by yourself? They didn't scold. They didn't tell me off. They didn't belittle me. They didn't try to hurt me. No, they gave me advice and support. And along the way, um, they continued to give me advice and support. And some of that advice, you know, I did take on board. I eventually learned that staying up to 3 o'clock in the morning when I had 9 o'clock lectures to get to probably wasn't a good idea. You know, I learned to save for a rainy day. I'm not sure I I really got the one about not dressing as a student, but hey-ho, <laughs> some things come to go. And also... I liken that as well to the experience Scotland's had with devolution because through our experience of devolution we've learned to make good decisions for ourselves, we've learned to stand on our own two feet, we've learned to actually do the things that our population needs. So to give old people dignity in their old age we brought in free personal care, we do concessionary bus fare so that they can all live independently. We've invested in the future health of our generations by banning smoking in public places and also by um, creating a minimum price for alcohol. We've created, we've tried to put more money in people's pockets in hard times by freezing the council tax, by abolishing prescription charges. We've done all these things because we've stood on our own two feet with the powers we have and we've made good decisions. And we still get scolded for it. And now that we want more decisions, we're still getting scolded for it. So when I'm out in the doorsteps, I use these analogies, but I always come back to one key question, and I ask people to think hard about the decision they're going to make because it is a big decision. But it comes down to this: who do you trust to make good decisions for you, your families, and your communities? Is it Messrs. No, Ne, and Never, Mister No? Ed Miliband, he of the minus 39 personal satisfaction ratings, the lowest ever recorded for a party leader. (laughs) No. Is it Mr. Mr. Nay, uh, Alistair Darling, the man who made quarter of a million pounds last year in the after dinner circuit, who flipped his home not once, but four times to squeeze every penny out of the taxpayer in expenses. Mm -hmm. Mr. Never, David Cameron, Who, as the heir of Thatcher, has brought hunger back to the streets of Scotland, who has punished women and children harder than any other Prime Minister in recent years? Are these the men you think you can trust to take the big decisions over your life? Because I tell you who I trust. I trust you. And I trust you, and you, and you. I trust all of us because we are the people best placed to make decisions over what money we have in our pockets, how we go about building a fairer society, all the things that we need to do to be a grown-up society. And just like when we vote yes, and we choose to leave the home of the UK, we can trust ourselves to make the right decisions because we know how to make them and have learned through devolution. So my message from the grassroots is trust yourselves we can and do make good decisions. Thank you.
2: Um, thanks very much, Kate. Uh, so I'm um, once uh once david has shuggled some chairs around um what we're gonna what we're gonna do is invite the panel up to to the stage now just to to let everybody know we're not gonna because we want to squeeze as much into our tiny little hour as possible we're not going to have time for audience questions um however that's what we would uh, we would encourage you to to look at in your in your statement i'm saying yes to um if there's anything that comes up in this discussion that you feel you want to respond to uh, please do let us know um, I'm going to be checking my phone periodically. It's not because I'm tweeting or anything. It's just uh, to keep keep a wee eye on the time. Um, so, uh, without further ado, I'd like to I'd like to bring our panel up. Now, our panel this uh, t- t- well, today um, represent three kind of different strata of uh, of the Yes campaign to some official degree or other. So, first of all, uh, Stephen Noon, who is uh, Yes Scotland's chief strategist. Uh, secondly Kate Higgins who we've just uh, we've just had on, on stage. And uh, thirdly, um, Hollywood actor, um, we're we're absolutely delighted to have him here today. Um, ardent yes campaigner, Mr Brian Cox. So I'd like to start off um, by asking Stephen and Brian to um, to respond to Kate's, uh, Kate's provocation there. Was, there. was there anything out of that that you'd, you'd particularly like to discuss? Um, so Stephen, you have a microphone, if you'd like to go first.
5: I find it very encouraging that the lines we pump out are actually being used, that's good to hear. Um, I mean, uh, fr- from the perspective of Hope Street uh, in Glasgow, where I work the Yes office, I mean, the, the reality of this campaign is that our route to victory is the grassroots. Uh, that's our best avenue for success. And it one of the most encouraging things about this referendum, that actually there's been so much energy, so much enthusiasm. Uh, people are actually engaged in ways and in levels. I, I've not experienced in 20 years in Scottish politics, so a yes victory will be down to people like Kate, rather than people like me. around uh, am stuck in office. Um, but it's people like yourselves, and if, if you, any of your yes campaigners, uh, who, who are the key to this, Uh, On the subject that Kate talked about, I mean, I think she's very, she's correct. Um, I work in an office with people who read every single Scottish newspaper. Uh, They go home at night and probably struggle to sleep. It's a a very rare uh, group of people. Uh, But the reality is most people don't engage with the absolute detail of this debate. People are making the judgement based upon the big picture. Um, A a sense of direction, uh, a sense of of trust, as, as Kate said. And I think the Currency Debate's a really uh, great example of this because essentially what we're being told with the Currency Debate is the union we thought existed, uh, a union of equals, a partnership of equals, doesn't exist. Uh, Scotland's contribution over 300 years to building up the pound, building up the strength of the UK is worthless, is meaningless. Uh, We have to walk away with nothing. Uh, And so I think it sends a very strong signal to the people in Scotland On one side, we're getting the message, we love you, and stay. And then on the next side, we're getting the the message, if you decide to vote yes, we will do what we can to destroy your economy. Uh, I just don't think that is a, I think there's a dissonance to that message, which will damage the the no campaign, essentially. People will see and actually ask themselves, why do we want to be governed by people who are willing to destroy our economy, and actually destroy large chunks of our own economy as well?
2: Ryan, um, was there anything in case?
6: speech that you'd like to respond to no I just I just think uh, it was perfect (laughs) I couldn't have agreed more everything she said I feel and I just I'm very I'm sick of this whole notion of fear and fear is just something that we really have to overcome you know the fact that we are I think Adam Smith said it's just the wrong way to create things is through fear and uh, fear get you nowhere and I think that I think a great example is the party of which I am a member of the Labour Party and now our, our Aswal leader doing this thing of saying in the manifesto we will not allow Scotland, not allow Scotland to have the pound. You know we, Scotland, <laughs> the Act of Union was two equally, equal countries. We weren't a colony, we were a country. And that's what's very important to realize throughout those debate. But sometimes we're treated very colonially. And Mr. Miliband's notion of the, the pound being uh, a, you know, their pound and they would decide on it is very, very colonial. It's very sort of, you know, it's colonial in its thinking. Because it's not uh, the English pound, it is the United Kingdom's pound. And therefore, come independence, it is open for negotiation. And there are several ways we can take it. We have got very, we've got lots of alternatives, but it makes sense to have this pound because it's, it's less heartache. And it's also, it's also a salute to the interdependence that we have with our English cousins. It's again a salute to what is not separate, but actually is inclusive. And I think that's very, very important.
2: Um, so obviously the reason that the, the currency issue is, uh, is dominating, um, even our discussion today um, is because of the, the foregrounding of it during during the, the recent debate last week, the salmon versus darling debate, uh, which I think was met from many people on the yes side with, uh, with a lot of surprise. And um, so I'd like I'm going to ask our, each of our panelists to kind of respond to how, how they feel that debate went. I'd also like to start you off with a quote from Leslie Riddick, the journalist in Newsnight Scotland, or I would as soon as my phone here. Um, Still. So, Um, Now, uh, bearing in mind when Lesley says the audience, I suspect she's referring to a yes-literate audience who are already informed about the discussions. Um, But speaking about the debate, uh, Lesley said, Above all, there was none of the vision the audience had expected, nor any mention of the way the independence campaign has been transformed from a top-down, SNP-party-led campaign, into a genuinely grassroots activist-led movement. So I suppose there, there are two there are two sections in that. If we could have um, invite each of you in turn, possibly starting with Kate, um, to have a, a discussion about the the issues and the content raised in the debate itself, but also um, I'd like you to respond to this idea that um, I, I, I saw a lot on Twitter after the debate that uh, people were people felt that the um, this discussion has moved on. From the idea of two politicians in suits in a TV studio shouting issues at each other, and um, I'd just like to hear all of your individual views on that. So, if you'd like to, yeah, um,
4: I think we can't have our cake and eat it. We can't we can't demand leadership in a campaign and then say, oh well, actually we you know we're we're in our anarchy reigns and we and we all ha- and we're all left to our own devices. I mean. Alex Hammond is the elected First Minister of Scotland. He um, supports independence the same as we three do. He has a right to be heard, frankly, in um, in this debate, the same as the rest of us do. And there is a place for leadership debates, but I do take the wider point about, I'm not sure how far it actually takes us in terms of the kind of conversations that I'm involved in at grassroots on people's doors and in particularly engaging with women. Um, because, however expansive uh, t- um, the 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 TV host wants to be on it, it will always narrow down into some issues, and I think that's what we found on Tuesday night. And I think what's really really difficult, and and this is um, everywhere in the media, that it's really hard for us in the Yes site to get any media coverage of. The positive story we want to tell about the the big issues that are going on the 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 good chats that are happening out there with people because people are so interested and so engaged in this and they want more information and it comes down to really really narrow narrow points and that's exactly where no wants it. They want it on narrow points, exactly as Brian says about fear and cowing us and making us think that this is far too hard and not being able to, we couldn't possibly manage all the detail. And the debate was almost a wee bit of a microcosm of that. So on one level, it was a disappointment. And I did blog on it that I kind of, with a lot of people in the ESCAM, we went to bed a bit discomfited. thinking, oh my God, what was all that about? But actually, I woke up in the morning and I kind of reminded myself of what I I learned from 2011, which was never to misjudge Alex Salmond and where he knows how to take a campaign. And I did look, I watched the whole debate in the morning again with fresh eyes. I looked at the poll and I thought, more women thought he won it, more undecideds thought he won it. They're the key target groups, he knows what he's doing. I just need to get on and chop some more doors.
5: We did some analysis of the social media during the debate, and what was interesting was the, the, the subjects where the undecideds uh, who were watching the debate engaged most was when it was talking about things like the economic issues, um, social justice issues, what I guess would mean for people in terms of their own personal uh, well being, their own uh, personal outcome. The area where the, the partisans engaged most uh, vociferously was around issues like currency, so the peaks. Uh, where the, the, the social media exploded around, around the currency issue, where the yes and no people basically firing lines at each other, whereas uh, the undecideds seemed to be engaging at different parts of the debate. And so that alongside, as Kate said, um, the, the fact that the, the, the snap poll suggested that uh, yes had actually had a slight increase of support during the course of the debate and undecideds thought first the first sort minister of won were all encouraging. But the reality is that the whole strategy of the Yes campaign is based not around politicians having debates with each other, it's actually about conversations on the doorsteps, about social campaigns, people speaking to their family, to their friends, making the case for independence in a very personal way. And so while these set-piece events are important, much, much more important is the conversations that people like you will have over the next five weeks with people who are wavering, uh, people who are soft-nosed or undecided. And so the case that you make on the doorstep, or the case that you make with your family family and friends, is far more powerful than any case that any politician, frankly, can make in a television studio.
6: I I couldn't agree more with what Stephen's just said. I I found that yesterday. I was in Dundee uh, doing a bit of campaigning, and it was incredibly moving, quite honestly, to see people come up to me and seek me out and talk to me about the issues and what was going on, and, 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 and seek reassurance in some way. And I... You know, the thing that really annoyed me about Alistair Darling in that debate was his castigation of blind faith and the notion of faith. Well, it's always an act of faith. It's always going to be an act of faith. When you walk into that booth and you put that, your cross on that piece of paper, that is an act of faith. And it can be, in some cases, an act of blind faith. And there is nothing wrong with that. And that's, that's where he gets it totally wrong. And that was what was coming across from the people of Dundee yesterday. They had faith. They just said, well, it be all right. I said, if you think it'll be all right, it'll be all right, you go for it, that's great. The other thing that happened, and, and, and interestingly enough, and again, this comes back to the media and the media's reporting. I was with my, my son. Uh, now, my son is English educated, English brought up. He actually went to an English public school. He sat there, and then he immediately watched the program afterwards, the STB examination, and he said, Dad, this is not what I've just seen this has got nothing to do with the program I've just seen. I've just seen a debate where it was pretty even Stephen in one way, but there was no clear outright winner, except in terms, of, you know, in terms of vision, clearly Simon was the winner. He said, but to report it in this way, it just seemed to me kind of extraordinarily biased. And then he said, have they decided already? Have they made that decision that this is how this program is gonna go? And I think we're hostage to that all the time.
2: Right.
6: Um,
2: Stephen, do you like to, you look like you'd like to react to that? Uh, no? No, not really. no, no. Um, sure. <laughs> um, well, I'd, I'd actually like each of our panellists to, um, to discuss what the Yes campaign kind of means to them. Stephen, obviously it's your every waking, breathing movement just now. Uh, but just... Uh, <laughs> You know what? What's interesting about this panel is the diversity of um, viewpoints that they can give on active campaigning for yes. Um, so I suppose um, Brian, would you would you like to start? Seeing as we're, um, you've obviously you, you did your your event in Dundee yesterday, and yeah. um, understand you were you were telling a very personal journey about your yeah.
6: Well, I did, and then have. I did a speech here on Sunday at the Assembly Rooms. I, I think for me, and it's been a long time coming, and it's also to do with the question of identity and who I was, and you know. And I talk about it in my speech. I won't go through all that now because it was quite a long speech. (laughs) But it started when I was a kid when I looked across the T and I think, well, why, and my instinct was to get over there. You know, it was curiosity apart from anything else, but it was also this instinct to be on the move and examining why am I permanently on the move? Where does that come from? Where do I belong? And it was, the question of where I belong was not very clear in my mind. And as I've grown up, I've been looking at that question on a regular basis. Where do I belong? Where do I come from? Now, I'm the original peripatetic. I have, I live in, Brooklyn is where my base, I have a little flat in London, I stay a lot of time in Edinburgh with my friend, Ian Stirling. I have various, you know, hotels around the country I stay at. So, it's a question of belonging, and a question of where you come from. And that started me thinking about, why do I feel Somehow deep down, disenfranchised in some way. And I threw my lot in with the Labour Party because I thought, oh, you know, it's, it is to do with social democracy, and perhaps we'll get back to something. But those things seemed to be eroded, particularly under the prime ministership of Tony Blair. And I think there was such hubris around and, and such kind of this kind of infighting, which had nothing to do with the country, it had nothing to do with our people. And I thought, we are more and more marginalized. And the national news never seemed to reflect the news. Every time I came to Scotland, I kept, I kept hearing stories. And I heard these stories on the, on the BBC news and didn't bear any relationship to what was going on where I was. So I really felt that I had to examine who I was and also my history. And I think it's very important. There's this great book by Ian McWhirter, which I recommend everybody to read. Called Towards the referendum, and it's very, very clear about history, and the history is very important. I mean, a, a tiny example, and I'll give you a little example for me, which got me thinking. We lived through the most incredible religious wars in the um, in the 17th century, and as a result of those wars, um, we were we lost our you know we lost our country. We we became a union, but in the 18th century century, we had the most extraordinary thing called these. the re-enlightenment, the the Scots re-enlightenment. And these re-enlightenment thinkers, they put a lot of their attention into the notion of independence and the viability of it. And all these thinkers, Francis Hutchison, Adam Ferguson, Dougal Stewart, Adam Smith, David Hume, they became kind of set texts in America for looking at the American state. So these books actually became the foundation of the American Revolution and the foundation of the American uh, right to independence. And it's really extraordinary. And it's the story of Scotland. We don't do it for ourselves, but we do it for others. And we've done it, and that's our history. We've done it time and time and memorial. Not for ourselves, we do it for others. And for me, this is the time. This time is the time to do it for ourselves.
2: You um, are one of the co-founders of Women for Independence, which is a grassroots campaign um, kind of set up, uh, you know, not apart from the officially Yes Scotland campaign, but just within communities, within groups. Could you give us a bit of your perspective on yeah. on the Yes campaign as you see it?
4: Yeah, um, Women for Independence was an inspired idea, Carolyn Lake's um, that was kind of formulated over a convivial meal of um, gathering of women. And um, and we are we are apart from Yes Scotland, and we made that decision quite deliberately because we wanted it to be by women for women and controlled by women because we wanted to create the space um, to listen and engage with women. And the listening to women has been really, really important. Um, and actually, that has been the absolute privilege of being involved with this movement and indeed out in the doors and elsewhere is the privilege of being invited to hear people's views and concerns I've never known I've been a you know a political activist for a long long time I've never known anything like this I mean literally some people open the door and go oh my god you're here at last right okay wait till I get my questions (laughs) okay and you're like wow you know you do get doors slammed in your face but even that makes you think about what is it that they really don't want to engage with this what is it that they're so scared of that they just slam the door on you but so it's a privilege and the key thing for women as well is um, one of the things I've learned as well when talking to people trying to make up their minds is do not talk at them you have to pose questions and just stand back and wait and they will eventually start talking and out come the fears You know they're all bottled up inside because that's how they've been and once they start articulating it's like anything once you get it out there it's not so scary anymore and the other thing they do is they start talking themselves into why they should be voting yes not about being talked to and that is a privilege to be part of that and one of the other things that's really stuck with me um, as well is just Getting an insight into people's lives in a very small vignette I was down in some pensioners' housing, and nearly all of them invited me. And in. one, because they can't stand at the door too long yapping, because they've all got kind of you know sore legs and things. But they are lonely. I might have been the only visitor they had all day. And come in, come in, sit yourself down, and you get to hear about their lives, and they show you their photographs. And some of them, you know, share a bit about the pride in their grandchildren and stuff. And why are you here anyway, hen? (laughs) So eventually we get round to it? And they're all instinctively voting no. But again, when you give them the space to talk, they talk themselves into why they should be voting yes. And, you know, to me, that is the key of the grassroots. Now, it's given an insight and a, a privilege to engage with people on this huge question that they have to make a choice for themselves. But it also shows you where we need to change. I don't want old people being lonely and inviting strangers across the door so they can have a chat with them. Um, I want us to live in vibrant communities in a fairer just society and these snapshots um, show up to me where we need to make the change. And one final thing, my, ha- my absolute highlight in the campaign was being hit upon by an 82-year-old. So, it was a bit dapper, he had a wee uh, waistcoat and a kerchief, <coughs> and he said to me, you know, if I was up for it, there might be a vote in it. But when I politely declined and took this tale back to the rest of the team at lunchtime, they have told me that if uh, it's a no vote by one, it's because I wouldn't take one for the team. So there you go.
2: we've got five more minutes of discussion so Stephen I'd like to um, invite you I described Stephen to his face earlier as the chief architect of the yes campaign and he told me off for that um, but you are yes chief strategist Um so what I'd like to do is, is have a look at um, if you could discuss you know um, how, how's the strategy going in the next few weeks we've got five weeks to go Um where do you see the official yes strategy um, Going and and, and how's that
5: working out? I mean, the strategy is very simple. I mean, three elements to it. One is the more people who are talking about yes, the better, the more voices there are for yes of different types. So it's, uh, you know, Women for Independence, Radical Independence Convention, Business for Scotland, all these groups speaking with a slightly different voice, slightly different accent, slightly different emphasis is the best way to present the yes case. The second part is essentially also the, the tone of the campaign. We are optimistic, forward looking, hopeful. I mean, I I love going to my job in the morning because I'm deciding how can I boost the confidence of the people of Scotland today? How can I express the opportunity for Scotland today? And I would hate to be going to the office and thinking, how can I frighten people today? How can I undermine people? How can I sow uncertainty? And then the the, the third element is essentially The polls have yes and no, the binary choice. But when you actually dig deep into where people are, we we ask the question on a one to 10 scale as well. So one being completely against, 10 being completely for. And so there are people who are currently five, six, sometimes even seven on the scale, who describe themselves as no voters. And so their no is really softly anchored. There's no great depth to that no. And it's very, very easy with conversation, with ideas to move people from a no to a yes. And so the polls haven't quite captured the the binary polls haven't captured the possibility that still remains for us to move people up the scale and so the the, the final part of the strategy is essentially uh, breaking down the independence debate into bite-sized ideas planting seeds in people's minds and allowing them to germinate essentially and people are are nudged pushed encouraged up the scale by the conversations they have with the, 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 the grassroots campaigners as those of the elements are essentially it, yeah, there's, there's no great sort of uh, <laughs> thinking behind it. It's a very sort of <coughs> you know energy-led, uh, enthusiasm-led campaign.
2: Very quickly, because I ask um, each of our each of our panelists to give us an idea of what they see as the chief challenges for the Yes <laughs> campaign in the next in the next couple of weeks, in the next few weeks. Um, Ryan, would you like to? Yes.
6: I think it's to empower people. their confidence to realize that there is there is no need for fear there's every need to realize that they can do it they can go for it Uh, and it's actually it is at grassroots level and it's more it's not about I think Stephen's absolutely right it's not about television debates it's about getting out there among the people and actually I had this I had this yesterday in Dundee when a guy came up to me an older man came up to me and he's he was very nervous and he came up and said, I don't know what to do, and I said, I just had to say to him, I'll oh, be okay. I said, I'll oh, be okay. How you vote, I'll oh, be okay. And he was relieved. Because that's the trouble. People live in fear, and they know that, and that's what they thats what they found. And we have to make, we have to empower them to say, don't be afraid. You go for it. And. Um.
4: Yeah, hey, any, any uh, I would about? absolutely echo that. Um, I think that is the challenge to kind of encourage people to to see through what is being done to them, and to listen to their hearts and their minds, and to trust their own instincts. On a quite personal level, I suppose it's uh, how do you fit it all in? You know, we've got so many undecideds that we have to who are there on the scale, and whenever we get to them, they are moving up on the scale. That they're, they're actually they've moved up. By themselves, a lot of the time it's just about. So how do I get to them all? How do we make sure we've engaged with as many women as possible? And then, and um, will my son get to school in time tomorrow and for the next few days as well? Because sometimes it's easy to forget that you've got a life out there as well, aside from all the campaigning. I think that's the challenge. And those of us who are engaged in thinking about polling day to get out the vote, we, you know, that's going to be a challenge as well. Because I don't think. There's a, I think there's a wee bit of work there that we need to do to think about how we're going to enable all these people and encourage them to come out and vote actually on the day and cast their votes.
5: Uh, the biggest, and probably the only real big question people have left is, can we do it? So the challenge is to persuade them that yes, we can. And once they say yes, we can, yes, we should is uh, an obvious answer. Um,
2: so I'd like to thank our, our panel um, and please do, um, you know, continue to, to write in your, if, if you haven't already, I'm saying yes to dot dot dot. Um, even if you're not intending to vote yes, that would be interesting to, to see. So um, I'm going to ask uh, Brian to stay up on stage with me just now, but if we would like to thank Stephen Noon and Kate Hickman. Sure. So usually at this, uh, at this point in All Back to Bowies, we have a letter from, uh, given the very sad news um, earlier today, uh, Brian is going to deliver us um, a particular letter uh, from Hollywood via the Highlands, I think. So, um, Mr. Brian Cook.
6: Um I just want to draw a little bit of attention to the, the passing of Robin Williams, uh, who was, I knew, not well, but I, I knew him. Uh, he was a, an extraordinary man. He was a very, very gentle man. He was a very, uh, very wise man in many ways. And I think, actually, he was. We're talking about loneliness today, and I, I think that, for all Robin's success, he was an incredibly lonely person. Incredibly lonely. Uh, and uh, his talent came really from this this loneliness that he had. Um, and uh, you know he, when he went off on a riff, it was astonishing. And the the thing I want to remind, tell you about was um, I was at uh, Billy Connolly's sixtieth uh, birthday party, which was taking place in Billy's home up in Candle Craig. And uh, the great Jimmy Reed was there, and they were doing this uh, various testimonies to Billy to you know for his birthday. And the great Jimmy Reed got up and started to do the address to the haggis but he made the mistake of translating the address to the Haggis for the English audience as he was going on, which meant that the address of the Haggis was getting longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and Pamela Stevenson kind of started to panic about the evening and Robin, he was just sitting alone for me, he was just sitting there very quietly, because he was, he was just a very unassuming guy, very shy guy, so he was sitting there like this and Pamela kind of leaned over and, 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 and I, I couldn't get what they were saying, but he just went, Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, he got up and he went up to the where the main table was and he started this riff on the great scrotum beast the haggis and he went on for I think it must have been 20 minutes and he had the audience in absolute fits. I mean I my jaw was sore and uh, my my daughter was there and my son was there we couldn't believe it. We just couldn't believe that this man transformed this took this one theme and made this extraordinary went everywhere with it, and the audience were into it. So my job was aching at the end because I was I was aching at the sort of the the awe. I was absolutely in awe of him. I mean that was I was going ah oh, I like that. And he came back and he he walked past me and I turned to him and I said I said how do you do that? And he looked at me and he said fear. And I said oh I said you must have a lot of fear. And he went, "Uh uh-huh. That was Robin Williams.
0: (laughs) Thanks very much, Brian. That's a really, really lovely story. Um, I I think it's interesting that that there's a sense of fear and the possibilities that can come out of fear as well, which is quite interesting given what the discussion we had. with your sentences, just to remind you, it's, the sense is actually, I'm saying yes, or I would like to say yes to, but it doesn't have to be about politics. It can be about politics and some of you will want to write about those aspirations, but some others you might want to take it in whatever angle you like. And one of the things I really like to think about is the archivists um, in the National Library of Scotland in 200 years time, pouring over these wee bus tickets and receipts and probably being just as interested in the price on the back of the receipt as they are in the sentence um, so yeah have a wee think about that we um, we have a uh, oh and also to mention that today we've been talking about the Yes campaign um, we're quite ecumenical at Bowie's uh, tomorrow we're talking about England um, and we've got a fantastic panel lined up for that so we're thinking about the issues that independence and the independence referendum raise for England in particular it's a huge topic so if you're interested in that please do come along tomorrow. A, every day at Bowie's we have um, a poet and today is no exception we've got a fantastic poet uh, 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 today uh, Sam Small He's a Glasgow poet and he does a night, he runs a poetry night in Glasgow called In Deep Poetry. So, would you please give a big bowie welcome to the stage to Sam Storm? Thanks very much. It's
7: nice to see things going so well. We've came so far, done so much. We may have some problems to address, some serious shit to deal with, but we're getting there. We're making a difference. With charity, hard work, and a genuine, sincere kindness, we can do this. This is the beginning of the improvement. The localisation of government combined with modern technology and instantaneous global connectivity makes more difference now than ever and we're getting the message out there. Do you ever wonder if the movement made a difference? Why don't you ask a stranger who the 99% is and they'll tell you. Those unwashed hippies have changed our vocabulary and it won't be long until the water starts rising, the dam starts to build under the weight of a nation, the weight of an entire population of our planet or a fucking second entire being passed off, it's idiots. Do you honestly think the 1% can stay there? Those guys have got some serious stuff to answer for and we are getting the message out there. That's not all. We've got a lot of problems that could be fixed, not by my children, not by my children's children, but now by us in this lifetime, in my lifetime, in your lifetime. The advancement of technology is increasing exponentially. We have the resources and the drive and the money and the power and the majority and the willingness and a bloody big stick to mess up guys and mess with us. All we really need is time. And you know what, man? We've got honours in it as well. And yeah, I do think art can change the world. Poetry can save lives. Raps can make you stand up and stick it to the ceiling. This is my life and I'm living it. We are so close. It is in the palm of our hands. All we need to do is tighten our grip because once we have it, we will never let it go. We are important. We can make a difference. And I honestly believe that. It doesn't start at the top. It doesn't start with the government. It starts in the basement. It starts behind your eyes. It starts in the back of your mind. Because if you can't imagine it, then how can we make it a reality? You've got to speak, Charlie, because it's our only hope. Thank you very
0: much. That was great. Uh, that was really great Thank you, Sam. Uh, you can see more of Sam and other poets at Indie Poetry in Glasgow. So, how have you been getting on with the sentences? All right, with your homework? Good. What we have now, I'm going to bring out the ceremonial Bibbity Bobbity hat. So, it's not many boy fans in today, is there? I can tell. <laughs> uh, the Bibbity Bobbity hat. Is where we will put all the sentences. So, Kirsten's going to come round, and also I think maybe Sarah, if you would, will help, and we'll collect the sentences, and we'll see if we can do our crowdsourced poem. Um, so, if you remember, the, uh, the line was, um, "I want to say yes to." Um, and just while we're talking about that, I'll alert you to some other interesting uh, uh, Bowie discussions we we're doing. Um, so let me see. We've got we're talking about England and an independent Scotland tomorrow. A on Thursday. I think I'm right in saying on Thursday we've um, we've we've got we're ta- discussing Ireland. We've got a fantastic lineup for that. Uh, some of you will know the journalist Peter Gagan. We've also got um, the singer. I'm almost wanting to hold it back. She's so good that I want to keep it as a secret. But it's, we've got Camilo Sullivan, who's good. Yeah, that's that's the right reaction. <laughs> so that's one worth coming down to. On Friday, we have Leslie Riddick. Uh, she's gonna, yay, some Riddockians in the audience. Uh, she's gonna talk about her book, bl- Blossom. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff coming up. Um, and of course, always bands, different mix of bands and poets as well. And if I could also give a plug, if you like this sort of format, you might like the uh, National Collective Presents, um, which is going on at the Storytelling Centre every night at a uh, I think it's nine, nine o'clock. o'clock. Nine o'clock on the throughout throughout the Fringe, uh, the weekends, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. They've
2: had a fantastic lineup so far. They've had. Um... Everybody from Janice Galloway, Jenny Lindsay, the poet. There's always some music as well. That's a really exciting um, event um, to go into. The ever-reliable National Collective. So. So the bibbity-bobbity hat has, is about so to we speak. We're we
0: going to So, Kirsten, I think we'll uh, try as best we can. So, if Sarah, pass it to me, and I'll pass it to you. Okay. So. Mm -hmm.
2: I want to say yes to potential
0: I want to say yes to an independent Scotland
2: I want to say yes to chips, cheese and gravy at the end of each day
0: I want to say yes to a fairer society
2: I want to say yes to coming home to the United Kingdom or Great Britain I've only heard emotional debate today so that's my emotion
0: I want to say yes to hope and faith and self-belief and optimism.
2: I want to say yes to enlightenment 2.0.
0: I want to say yes to yurts, free coffees, yurts is going to be like that, free coffees, more discussion, confidence. I want to
2: say yes to a more confident, ambitious Scotland.
0: I want to say yes for jobs for my kids, work in Wishall making our own decisions.
2: I want to say yes to some beautiful handwriting. Um, I want to say yes to a socially independent Scotland.
0: I want to say yes to life.
2: I want to say yes to flat packing.
0: (laughs) I want to say yes to independence for Yorkshire. Cornwall, Wales, (laughs) Rutland, England is London.
2: I want to say yes to a four-day week, me too.
0: I want to say yes to more freeloading politicians in an already over-governed country, not...
2: I want to say yes to cha cha ch- changes.
0: <laughs> A, I want to say yes to uh, self govern, self confidence, uh, ambition, and equality. Uh,
2: this, I want to say yes to. Okay, um, this this actually just says perfectly foreign, clever, and rich.
0: Um. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, well, this is maybe a good one to end our crowdsourced poem on. I want to say yes to fucking up events with a big metaphorical stick. Oh, actually, that isn't what that word said, but I can't say what that word says. But I think fucking up events with a big metaphorical stick is probably as good. Oh, well, here's a last one. This is a very very appropriate... I want to say yes to a tunnex tea cake. So there we go. (laughs) We'll give yourselves a round of applause. So, all of all of that, all of that is uh, is fodder for the future. I think a just remains to say thank you very very much to all of our guests today, to Brian Cox, to Kate Higgins, and to Stephen Noon, to Sam Small, the poet, and I think if you could give a big welcome back to the stage to the absolutely wonderful Cora visit.
1: Um,
3: this song was also from the show, I don't mean to plug the show or anything, it's, it's not about that at all, it's just that it feels relevant to, to today's uh, um, talks really um, this uh, song was was, was based on, a, on another real character within the Glasgow girls story um, as their campaign took hold to uh, protect a lot of the asylum seekers who were living in their communities it wasn't just the teenage girls that were getting involved it was the wider community and uh, two of the members of that community were, were, were kind of particularly extraordinary there was two older women called Noreen and Jean, Glasgow wifeys that had lived in the, the tower blocks of Scotstone all their life and they had seen these asylum seekers come, and, and you know at first there was hostility in the community. But Noreen and Jean were always out there um, organising little kind of uh, community events where they, where people could donate toys and clothes to the families. And they just took an active interest in the people. Um, they they started babysitting for the kids and just just really kind of helping the people in their community. They know they they were not political creatures particularly. They were just good women and so when they saw these families being uh, taken away in the middle of the night they decided to do something about it and so what they did was make a register of all the families who were living in the various blocks and took their phone numbers and they set their alarms for four o'clock every morning and come down from from their, their high-rise block and just stay in the forecourt of the 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 flats and wait to see if any um, immigration vans would come of course there was no guarantee because the, the whole point is that a dawn raid, you're not warned, you're not told about it. So there'd be many, many months would pass where, where it might not happen. Or weeks perhaps. Um, but when they did see a van coming, and it would always be silent, they would text all their friends who would then, te- they'd have a kind of domino effect, to text others and text others. And as the immigration officials from London were coming up the lifts, all these asylum seeker families were skittering down the back stairs. Uh, into the community centre, where Noreen and Jean were with uh, cups of tea and blankets, and the might of the immigration system didn't work this out. <laughs> um, so when when they arrived at these families' doors, if the families weren't actually there, they couldn't they couldn't do that removal. They couldn't do anything. They'd have to go and process the entire thing. And so they were effectively saving the lives of a lot of their families of these families, whom they deemed their friends. They just they, they couldn't see a fairness in children who'd lived more of their life here. Than anywhere else, being sent back to Congo or wherever they have come from, to you know, to an absolute uncertain future. So this song was written for Noreen, and it's called "It's Noah Wayne's Choice."
1: It's no their war. It's no their sin. It's Noah. The end of 11. It's no their war, it's no their sin. It's no Williams' choice. For the end of 11, I turn myself in, I go to jail, demand the
2: out in the rain underneath the uh, the awnings uh, if ever, if anybody's interested in having a conversation as david mentioned tomorrow was, we're looking at england um i believe the novelist rod glass is giving us a provocation and there'll be a really interesting informed panel and the usual mix of poetry music chat and crowdsourced poetry uh, so please we'll see you all tomorrow for another Back to Therese, and
0: And so the sentences for show 12, the sentence was, I want to say yes to. I want to say yes to a greater appreciation of the views of others. I want to say yes to a more confident, ambitious Scotland. I want to say yes to a four-day week. I want to say yes to ch-ch-ch-ch-changes. I want to say yes to a tonic's tea cake. I want to say yes to fucking up cunts with a big metaphorical stick. I want to say yes to joining the worldwide community as an equal. I want to say yes to independence, to self-confidence, to ambition and to equality. I want to say yes to equality with other nations. I want to say yes to an independent Scotland. I want to say yes to a fairer Scottish society. I want to say yes to Scotland, we deserve it. I want to say yes to Enlightenment 2.0. I want to say yes to hope and faith and self-belief and optimism and belief that we can actually create a fair and just and equal country. I want to say yes to more freeloading politicians in an already over-governed country. Not. I want to say yes to yurts, free coffee, more discussion, confidence, no fear, empowerment, privilege, instinct. I want to say yes to us making the decision, jobs for my kids, work in Wishaw. making our own decisions on Trident, wars and what's for tea. I want to say yes to life. I want to say yes to independence, to Yorkshire, Cornwall, Wales, Rutland, England is London. I want to say yes to being a good listener. I want to say yes to Kate's 82-year-old man. I'd take one for the team. I want to say yes to making our own decisions, not in Westminster. I want to say yes to a fairer, more just Scotland that the population is proud of, a more socially just and confident Scotland. I want to say yes to potential. I want to say yes to a socially enlightened Scotland. I want to say yes to chips, cheese and gravy at the end of every day. I would say yes to a compassionate policy towards asylum seekers in a new and independent Scotland. I want to say yes to coming home to the United Kingdom or Great Britain. I've only heard emotional debate today, so that's my emotion. I want to say yes to Enlightenment 2.0. I want to say yes to listening to the stories of the undecided. I would say yes to a fairer society. I would say yes to all the great things that are possible. I would say yes to evolution. Everyone has the right to grow up. I would say yes to an arc. I would say yes to anyone not from Eton. I would say yes to Scottish independence. I would say yes to flat packing. I want to say yes to Scotland getting off the naughty steps, standing up for what is right, grabbing the Scottish media communications. Uh, it's Scotland is. Being an equal partner, not a colony. Did all those Commonwealth countries gaining independence have Westminster mounting a no campaign? Why us? Stop apologising. Yes, be assertive. With a positive future of yes, calling out all Scottish voted MPs in Westminster. Are they all naysayers? Yes, get them out of there. Standing up as a nation. I want to say yes to a Scotland where the voices of all people are heard and listened to. I want to say yes to all the things they say I can't do. I want to say yes to empowering people. I want to say yes to leaving the Scots to making up their own minds. I'm English. I want to say yes to small is beautiful. I want to say yes to Peter, Helga, Hugh McDermott, all the brilliant Scots. Is David Bowie Scottish? I want to say yes to installing a giant rainproof dome over Edinburgh. I want to say yes to change. I want to say yes to a feminist nation of empowerment that can pave the way for others across the world. I want to say yes to a fairer distribution of wealth and voice. I want to say yes to staying in the Union. I want to say yes to see Brian Cox starring John Gabriel Borkman in Scotland. I want to say yes to grassroots, unfearing Scotland. I want to say yes to Christmas. I want to say yes to a better, fairer, more equal society to independence.